Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is episode 31, and I'm your host, Rick Verbonis. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, hey there. Hey, hey, I'll tell Rick, Rick, tonight is the night, man. I'm, I've been so looking forward to, uh, to reviewing this particular miniseries. This is, this is uh, right up there with the, one of my favorites. So I am, uh, I, got, I got my comfy clothes on. I got a nice uh, little uh, beverage and uh, I'm ready to hit this. Let's hit it. All right. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be reviewing Man Out of Time, a uh, five issue miniseries written by Mark Wade back in 2010-2011. And uh yep, we'll be getting into that. Um I guess before we get into that, uh just some some news and notes uh, of what's been going on. So if you haven't been to the Captain America comic book fans Facebook page, uh you should check that out. Uh we recently uh, hit over 3,000 members. I think we're at 3,100 or something now. Um, it just continues to grow. We get all kinds of people joining. Um, and, you know, recently, this past week, um, well, by the time you're listening, this might be a couple weeks, but um, we had longtime editor and writer for DC Comics, uh, Peter Tomasi, join the Facebook group. Now, he's not a Captain America writer, uh, but he's a Captain America fan. And so um, it's always fun seeing uh, basically the, you know, industry pros that are just cap fans that just want to come and, and, uh, and hang out. Yeah. I think that's really cool, Rick. I mean, especially uh, guys and gals that maybe they have, they haven't worked on cap, like you said, but, but they're cap fans. I mean, that to me, there's something about that. Like they're not obligated to love cap. They just do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, a, I mean, Peter's a, just a, fantastic writer i mean he just recently finished a uh i want to say like a uh like a two-year run on detective comics um before that he did uh adventures of the super sons uh which was a, a fun fun series um he's he's written <laughs> he's written a uh, batman and robin um superman wonder woman uh, he, you name it. I mean, like he's, he's written the big ones, um, uh, as well as many others for DC comics. So cool having him on there. And, um, and so check out the, the Facebook page when you get a chance. All right. So getting into this story, man out of time. So I'm going to paint this, paint the scenario here for everybody. Uh, now it's, it's written, uh, by Mark Wade. Now that name should be familiar to all Captain America fans. Um, cause he was the writer for the end of volume one. Um, he did back in 1995, 1996, he finished off volume one. Um, and then, um, he came back with volume three and he did the first 23 issues of that back in 1998, 99. And then at the same time he was doing that, he was writing Sentinel of Liberty, uh, one through 12. Uh, so he, He's no stranger to Captain America. He, he certainly knows and loves the character. Um, so what's been going on in this time? So this, this, this came out actually had a cover date of January 2011. So what happened in 2011? Well, 10 years ago, we'd be celebrating the 70th anniversary of Captain America. Um, and basically at the same time, uh, we had uh, Captain America 612 came out which was uh, 
you know, towards the end of volume five, when uh, Ed, the Ed Brubaker series. So Ed Brubaker's writing, uh, Butch Geis is the artist, they're doing the trial of Captain America. And just before this story came out, uh, Steve Rogers came back in the series Captain America Reborn, um, and uh, which was uh, written by Ed Brubaker and, and drawn by Brian Hitch. So that's kind of what's going on. Uh, in in this this story uh, this time period of Marvel right now, um, so we do we uh, so I'm going to read the uh, solicitation that Marvel put out for Man Out of Time number one, beginning a five issue miniseries chronicling the rebirth of Captain America. When the Avengers pull a mysterious tattered soldier from the sea, they unwittingly bring back to life the living legend of World War II a man whose memories of a life 60 years ago are as fresh as yesterday. How will Steve Rogers, frozen in suspended animation for half a century, adapt to the world of the 21st century? Brought to you by a super scribe, Mark Wade, and Avengers initiative artist, George Molina. Okay, so um, so basically, as, if we're going to describe this story, it's... It's the story of Captain America, his his first early days when the Avengers found him and when he joined the Avengers. And Mark Wade does a masterful job of just um, as he's retelling his story, adding his own uh, bits and pieces inter, interwoven throughout. And it adds, I think, depth to the character. It adds more humanity to the character because you know bob if you remember right you know our second episode we did for the podcast uh we did avengers number four and um so this is this is certainly going to be familiar to people who know avengers number four but it is going to be a lot more uh in depth and um so looking forward to to getting this started you know one of the i think what what you didn't mention rick is in 2011, something else really important happened uh, in parallel with uh, what was going on in the uh, Marvel comics. And that is, of course, Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes. And so there was uh, Marvel wanted to capitalize on on the film. And uh, they came out with a lot of different, uh, not just the miniseries, but some one shots that were trying to put stuff on the shelves for uh, for folks who maybe weren't familiar with Captain America, but liked the movie and wanted to learn more about the character. And this series was one of those uh, one of those efforts to sort of introduce new fans uh, to to Steve Rogers, Captain America, and uh, so it it does a great job sort of summarizing what what Cap was all about and how he came back uh, from uh, from his destiny. And, uh, and so from that perspective, it, it, I think, I hope, I think it did. Uh, I love this book. I love this series. I think it brought a lot of new fans into, uh, to the cap world. Yeah, that's a great point, Bob. And, um, you know, as you know, by this time I had sold my comic book store, but, but, um, yeah, I, you know, Marvel was great at, um, knowing that the, the movies were going to stimulate a new audience and some of them would find their ways to the comic book stores. And so the, uh, you know, shop owners like myself would be like, well, if you're looking for something, you know, to, to get into, that's really easy and it's not, you know, has 
50, 60 years of backstory to it, you know, here are some different options. And, and this was uh, certainly a great one. So <clears throat> let's get going. So the cover here to Captain America uh, out of time, and these covers were all done by Brian Hitch. As I mentioned before, Brian was the, um, the artist for the Captain America Reborn. So um, certainly trying to tie it into that as well. Um, the, as we mentioned, the, the writer is uh, Mark Wade. Um, then the artist is a relatively newcomer at, at this point, uh, George Molina. Um, he went on to do other things. He did some X-Men, some X-Force. Um, he kicked off uh, the A-Force series. He did some Star Wars for Marvel. Um, and then the inker, uh, Carl Kessel, uh, longtime inker, colorist Frank Diamata. Now, that name should sound familiar, too. Frank Diamato was a longtime colorist um, for Captain America when he was um, for the Ed Brubaker series. Uh, and editor, Tom Brevoort. All right, so on the cover here of number one, uh, we have uh, Cap in the forefront. And then in the background, we have um, the Avengers, the early Avengers. We have Thor, Iron Man, Wasp, and uh, Giant Man. And we have a frozen cap in a block of ice and then there's hitler in the background so we get to the splash page and it's in black and white and it has it's captain america and here he is holding a flag uh leading a bunch of troops during world war ii and it looks like an old newsreel and it is we get to the next page and we're in leipzig germany in april 1945 and it looks like uh, a bunch of uh, soldiers are, you know, basically has a little R&R &R going on. And they're just trying to, to sit back and watch um, this old you know, newsreel, which at this time was new. And um, they're enjoying it. And we have Cap there in uh, his, uh, what would you call these? Just uh, fatigues? Yeah, yeah, those are definitely, those are fatigues, man. Okay, so he's there in his fatigues, and he's uh, he's drawing, and he's he's not really paying attention to the newsreel. Um, Bucky's there, and Bucky is uh, going on and on about it. And so um, they they ask Bucky, um, you know, how do we get a newsreel, you know, this far into into Razi territory? And he says, "Who me? I have my vase. You have a vase? Nobody appreciates my red skull. Ways, ways. Tell him, Steve." It's true, Buck. Barnes here could fetch you MacArthur's pipe if he had a mind to. And Churchill's tobacco. Hey, hey, best part. Cap's partner, Bucky. Now there's a hero for you. No fancy indestructible shield. Nothing but a smile. And a Tommy gun. But what a smile. And you see a guy there he reacting. That was, that was, wow, run it again. Glad to. If it, lifts troop, if it lifts troop morale, right, Private Rogers? Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. And he's too busy uh, drawing in his book. And so a guy comes over and he and grabs it out of his hand. Hey, Rembrandt, show a little respect. I didn't see you storming Normandy Private. Cap's been on the front line since Pearl Harbor. Captain America's not a god, Noonan. He's just a soldier. And all the guys... Stop and turn around and look at, and they get up out of their chairs and they come up to him. Take that back. And then Bucky intervenes. Whoa, whoa. What Rogers means was we're all doing our part. We got Hitler on the run. 
and Toho ain't far behind. Heck, they're saying we might all be home before the autumn leaves fall. Noonan, where are you headed once this war is over? Back in the ring, I was golden gloves. I'm going to be the next champ. What about you, McElroy? I want to open a restaurant. Maybe I'll get Rembrandt there to paint me a sign. You paint signs, Rembrandt? And he's he's sitting there reading a Marvel uh, comic book. I'd say he's more of a pen and ink man. Nice drawing, Rogers. That's your girl? Is that what you're going back to? You'll be a civilian soon. Going to be an artist once the soldiering's done? I, I'm, I'm not sure. To be honest, I, I haven't time to give it much. Ten hot. At ease, Rogers. Barnes. Grab your gear and come with me. Cable from five-star Simon himself. The two of you are shipping out to London. Huh? Sarge, they just got here. They ain't a, this ain't a hotel. They can't just come and go. And yet, that's us. Two vagabonds. We go wherever we're needed. So they get on their, their backpacks and they're walking out. And um, so uh, uh, one of the guys says to the, to the, the Sarge, Sarge, we don't get it. What makes them two so special? Search me. But whatever it is, it's big. I got orders straight from command. Whoever they are, they got friends in high places. And then as they're walking away, they look at the screen, and then they look back at the two of them. No, it couldn't be. So then we cut to uh, the plane, and um, on the plane, uh, Bucky says to Steve, hope those guys will be okay, Steve, now that they're down two GIs. One, you're not formally enlisted, remember? They didn't know that. Besides, the way I look at it, I'm saving the government forty six fifty a month. Which reminds me, I need to borrow forty six fifty. So where's Army Intel sending us now? British Air Base says here. Something about guarding some sort of experimental plane from Nazi spies. Probably more undercover work then. Criminy Pete, this war really is slowing down, isn't it? Really nice sketch of Peggy, by the way. You gotta tell me how to sling a pencil one of these days. That what you want after service, to be an art student? Nah, I was thinking more along the lines of pitching for the Dodgers. Maybe being a movie star. Well, that's sensible. Okay, seriously? I was thinking about maybe Forest Ranger. Since when? Uh, it's just Redwood Forest, Gulfstream Waters, all the rest of that song. It's supposed to be gorgeous, right? I never went three miles outside of Brooklyn until I shipped out. You're the traveler. I'm surprised you didn't see any of that growing up. Price of being an army brat. Got dragged far and wide, but all over I got to look at were, was barracks and more barracks. Maybe you're right. Could be a dull life, but, but the first thing I'm going to do once I get back home, the very first thing, I want to visit the Grand Canyon. Timeless wonder, my pappy used to say. Puts everything in perspective. I tell you, I dream of the Grand Canyon. What about you, Rembrandt? You ought to start making plans. If my country wants me to keep serving, I'll serve. But they might not. Seriously, what purpose does Captain America serve outside of combat? I wouldn't be surprised if they took the suit and shield and sent me home with every other soldier. Ha! What's so funny? You, your regular Jack Benny. Come on, the Army's not about to muster you out. 
you're a walking, talking photo opportunity. Here's my prediction. Sure, they may retire the suit, but they're going to plaster you everywhere. Steve Rogers is going to be the living symbol of American can-do spirit. There's nobody else like you in the world, Steve. You're the strongest and the toughest man alive. You're going to be out in front of everything. They're going to have you be the first man to break the sound barrier, first man to climb Mount Everest. Heck, you're, you're going to be the first man on the moon, you think? So they land, and then uh, up comes a Jeep. That's my two cents. So I ask you back, is that what you want? I'll do whatever needs doing. That's not an answer. My brother, you've been running a mile a minute since they shot you up with the super soldier serum. There's not an American alive who doesn't owe you and me a thousand times over. So what do you want? And they grab, they, they get into the Jeep. And Steve looks a little, I don't know, just uh, flummoxed. He doesn't, um, you know, he's like, honestly, I, I just want to go to sleep. So they, uh, uh, Bucky then looks down at the uh, the uh, file that Steve's been looking at this whole time on the plane. Fine. Tell me more about this plane. It's a remote control bomber drone with enough range to get from London to Japan. Or, God forbid, if the Nazis were to steal it, all the way to Washington from Germany. It's right headed for Dutchland, all right. We're too late. We'll have to radio Allied Command, and they're on a motorcycle chasing the uh, the drone as it's it's going down the runway in the in the mountaintop. And tell them what tracking's disabled; they'll never follow it. The Nazis get it. The whole Eastern Seaboard becomes target practice. We got to turn it around. If you stop drop, driving like my grandma, we can catch it. And so, uh, on the back of of uh, Steve's shoulders, basically, he climbs up and he jumps onto the, the drone plane. Bucky, there's no time. Details. We got this. Jump. Bucky, no. And he lands on the wing of the plane, and uh, Steve happens to, to get on, too, just as the, the motorcycle goes off the edge and the, the drone plane takes. He says, can't get a grip. Oh, hell. I think I set something off. Bucky, drop away. And Steve's falling. Cap, I see a fuse. Oh, God, Cap, it's booby trap. And there's an explosion. And you see Steve, as he's falling, he sees the explosion, and, and you just see it from his point of view with his hand reaching up to the sky. It's a very dramatic, dramatic pose that then transposes his arm stretched up. And now he's looking up, and he sees the Avengers. He sees Thor and Iron Man and Giant Man and Wasp. And he sits up and he yells, Bucky, where am I? Who are you people? And and it looks like the and the coloring is a little off here. So they, it looks like they did the coloring almost like a, a shaded kind of almost a black and white muted coloring uh, around. And um, he's, he's just hearing bits and pieces as his, as his hearing's coming back. And um, answer me, he says. And they're trying to hold him down. And then they, they recognize 
that it's Captain America. And Iron Man says, I think it's really him. Wasp says, told you. So then this starts um, kind of a, an inner monologue that's being done as a report. So it's, it looks like and the font is done in a typeset. And it's uh, we're going to see this throughout this, the, the miniseries here. But uh, it says, from Captain America to General Simon, Army Intelligence, Protocol, Recon Report. And it says, the robot claims I'm on a submarine. I have no other frame of reference. Tinkerbell is attempting to put me at ease, but she and the circus strongman are visibly unnerved at my presence. They say they have no information on Bucky, that they found me floating underwater in, quote, suspended animation. They are pretending to be friendly, but it's obvious they're withholding something. I volunteer nothing. The robot and the giant don't think I can hear them whispering about, quote, DNA profiling and tissue testing and the strongman muttering like a foghorn. They don't realize I'm under orders. I am never to surrender blood samples without presidential authorization. When the giant says we've docked in New York, I ask how long I've been asleep. In a pensive voice, Tinkerbell says, it's later than you think. She asks with seeming concern that I stay behind for a moment while they prepare the crowds. She warns me not to be shocked by what I will see. She gives me a word that she and the others will guide me and ease me into a new world. And while it's against my training and my judgment, I trust. And he climbs out of the submarine. Of course, the, the Avengers climbed out before. And he comes up. And he's in New York Harbor. But there's nobody there, just statue of the, of the Avengers. And he looks around, and then he, he wanders out into the street, and a car comes up and honks at him, almost hits him. And he sees a helicopter flying, and he looks up. And if you if you watched, um, you know the the first Captain America movie, and you see at the very end when he shows up in modern time, and he's in. Times Square and he's looking up and he's seeing all the buildings uh, and all the the lights and everything and the signs. He uh, That's what he's getting right now. So um, so then he hears a call for help. There's a, a young lady screaming. So of course Cap does what, what he's going to do and he, he runs right towards the battle. And in an alley is a young, young girl being, uh, looks like accosted by a couple of guys here. And then um, you know, one's holding her, one's hitting her, another one's watching. And she's like, help, somebody help. And Cap throws his shield. And uh, one of the guys pulls a gun and says, who the hell are you? And another guy pulls a gun. And Cap reacts and he's like, guns? How, how old are you kids? And they start firing. Well, guess it doesn't matter. And he comes and he kicks them and hits them and takes them out. He says, it's okay. Give me your hand to the young lady who's now on the, on the ground. She's like, no, no, don't hurt me. Wherever you are, get back. Don't touch me. You're safe now. Just take my hand. And she reaches into her jacket. She pulls out a gun and she shoots him right in the gut. And then she runs away. And it looks like with some, looks like she was a drug dealer. It looks like she's got some packages. And Cap 
He's in the alleyway, comes out into the sidewalk and falls down, clutching his side. To be continued. All right, that's issue one. Um, nice, uh, you know, I mean, so far it's nice little uh, intertwining of uh, Avengers 4. I, I, Rick, price of admission, worth it for those uh, two full full page splash pages with uh, <clears throat> Cap's hand reaching up toward Bucky as the, as the experimental drone explodes. And then that next page where his arm is still extended and he's reaching, I mean, reaching for the Avengers, you know, as he wakes up. Those two pages right there, man, that was worth the price of the comic. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk to Mark Wade, you know, for many reasons, but I'm pretty sure that's something he wrote into that story, Mm -hmm. you know, right? Yeah. We're really well done. So here we are, Captain America, Man Out of Time, number two on the cover. Uh, And all of these covers have kind of a motif going here, right? There's a black uh, border at the top and the bottom, um, with the lettering and then in the the middle on the right hand side typically we have captain america in the forefront and then there's an image in the background and in this image for number two is you get to see different eras of the um, military planes all right uh credits are the same here so we have mark wade george molina carl kessel frank diamata and tom brevoort so um it looks like we're back in World War II. It's black and white. Uh, everybody's got, you know, it looks like a period, uh, you know, during that time with, with the way they're dressed and um, the way they're talking. <clears throat> you know, uh, there's you're in a uh, a little hospital ward. It looks like, and it looks like the kind, uh, you know, you know, over in the in a battlefield area. You know, as far as uh, a makeshift, um, and you have uh, nurses and doctors helping fallen soldiers. And, you know, they're talking, uh, talking about shell shock and malaria and, um, oh, it was a bouncing Betty. Give me some morphine. Um, and so that, that's what Cap's seeing and hearing. Um, and then he kind of comes to, and, uh, there's a doctor talking to him and saying, really ought to not be on your feet, son. I told you, you want to see this one, Dr. Dysart? I'm stunned he can even stand up, but look how out of it he is. Son, if you can hear me, wake up. And now everything's back in color. Uh, He's been bandaged. And he said, is this a hospital? I don't remember coming here. You staggered in off the street, delirious with a gunshot wound to your abdomen, asking if we'd won the war. The war against what? Drugs? The axes. Axes? And then there's a... um, a woman who comes up and she's looking, she's between the angle of the bullet and that weird, I don't know, Kevlar kind of, you were lucky it didn't do extensive damage, but you should still be knocked out. I heal pretty quickly, but thank you for your expert work, nurse. I'm a doctor. And Cap smiles. Really? And what's that supposed to mean? Nothing. That's nice to see. And it's a, you know, I don't know, middle-aged black, uh, female. Um, so Cap's just surprised to see her in that role. And she says, nice to what? Uh, and the, this older, uh, looks like Asian uh, doctor says, check out vacancies in the psych ward, Jen. Go. And, and as for you, they also tell me that the only name you gave was Captain America. Now, son, my father fought alongside Captain America in Normandy during World War II. That was over 50 years ago. And you're what? 
25. So maybe we could drop the play acting. What's your real name? I'm afraid I can't divulge that, sir. Standing orders. Not even here. You understand. And he puts his uh, shirt back down uh, over his bandages and grabs his shield. Not really, but by here, you mean an ER? <laughs> no. Then what? Dicer. Dicer. Your father. He was a sergeant with the 116, 29th Division, right? H how did you... Couldn't wait to get home to a gal named Minnie, as I recall. Hang on. You can't just leave. There's paperwork and payment and... All right, I'll play along. Call this number. This man will clear everything. And he hands him uh, a business card. There's only six digits. Wait, President Roosevelt? Tell him I said hello. Dr. Dysart, we need you. Coming. Son, stop. What did you mean when you said even here? Where do you think you are? And he smiles. Huh. Los Angeles Dodgers? New York Mets? What are Mets? He's looking at a TV. And uh, a guy wearing a Mets hat says, oh, a Yankees fan. Huh. And then he looks at the uh, waiting room. And he sees, uh, he's a little surprised by what he sees because it is a mixture of all kinds of people here. Well, we have white, black, Asian, uh, we have Middle Eastern, we have all kinds and, and talking all kinds of languages. And um, so we get back to his report to General Simon. And he says, even the locals speak a foreign tongue. Laptop. Jump the shark. Texting. Just some of the terms I've overheard in the last three minutes. So he gets out a quarter, puts it in a payphone. He says, I don't have any more luck telephoning military command than I do finding the EL. How does a human mind come up with a world like this? Whenever I feel like I'm getting my bearings, and he's just walking by on the streets of New York, just taking everything in. Something knocks me sideways again. And... And he looks, and in black and white, there's Buck. Bucky's running right to Cap, just like he looked uh, back in his with his fatigues. He says, yeah, you, don't move. And Cap smiles. He's like, Bucky, it's good to see you, partner. I was worried about you. Okay, I want to say right off that, that one of us is very confused. Now we're back in color. I've been looking all over Manhattan for you. And then now in... in uh, from Cap's point of view, it's still Bucky. They say a guy dressed like Captain America was seen near the submarine dock when the Avengers went missing. Were you with them? I was. They pulled me out of the ocean. Said I've been frozen for what seemed to be decades. I'm not dressed like Captain America. I am him. Sure you are. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Oh, do I ever. Say, is there a place around here to grab a cup of coffee? What, are you kidding? This is Midtown. Throw a stick. Listen, wh whoever you think you are, I, I need your help and I need it now. My name is Rick Jones. Uh-huh. Dude, don't cop a tone. I'm a, I'm a friend of the Avengers. If you know something about their dis disappearance, you you got to clue me in. And he goes into a, a, car, a coffee place. I'll have a cup of Joe and a hamburger sandwich. Just order off the menu, winghead. Are those the prices? And Rick comes up to him. Is any of this registering? Get it? 
The Avengers are in trouble. Could you please help me save them? Is that what you'd like? Hello? Why are you taking any of this seriously? And he smiles and looks at him. Because it's not real. I'm dreaming all of this. And then he sips his coffee. And, and Rick Jones, he's had enough, right? Uh, and, and by the way, if you're not sure who Rick Jones is, um, Rick Jones was back in the oh, late 60s, early to mid 70s, was a uh, kind of a mainstay in the Marvel Universe. Uh, you could say a groupie. <laughs> he, uh, he, he was the guy that um, ran out into a, uh, a, a field that Bruce Banner had to go and save, which ended up causing him to become the Incredible Hulk. Um, he was for a short period of time um, uh, the new Bucky uh, for uh, Captain America back when Jim Starenko was doing the art. Um, he was uh, helping out the Avengers for some time. Uh, then he got involved with Captain Marvel. Uh, so he's he's been around. So he's a, an important character uh, in this time period. So he's he's frustrated and he says, screw this. I didn't need some Stars and Stripes mental patient getting in my way. I got work to do. Send me a t-shirt from whatever role play fantasy camp you escape from, you freak. So Cap just smiles and grabs his shield. And uh, Rick says, and give my regards to Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. And then before he could finish Washington, Cap gets his shield, tosses it. It ricochets out into the street, off of a bus, off of a, a meter, um, off the wall. Cap jumps out, grabs it midair, and um, and does a, a nice little uh, Marvel Universe uh, landing, you know, <laughs> with his, uh, uh, that you typically see. Uh, but mm, he did pull a stitch, it seems, in his side. Ouch. What exactly do you think happened to the Avengers? Any guesses? And, and Rick, and, and the whole crowd's just looking at him in, in awe, including Rick. Huh? Oh, oh, oh right. Um, no, no one saw for sure. They were posing for photos. They said it's something big and unexpected they wanted to show everybody. Then there was a bit flash of blinding light, and when it settled down, they were gone. But they left behind what they were talking about, these weird statues. I saw them, and I think those statues are your friends. Yeah, I floated that theory to the NYPD, but they didn't believe me. Why would you? Why not? It makes as much sense as anything right now. We'll need as many photos of the dock as we can gather. That's our start. So they uh, they get on a motorcycle and drive away. Figures, only guy on my side is a delusional acrobat. Do you have a gun? What? No, why? I was wondering if every kid carried them here. I ran into two younger than you armed. Actually three, counting the little girl who shot me. You were shot? Tell me, Cap, do you often get shot in your dreams? Nightmares. And this really feels like a nightmare to you? And they're driving on the motorcycle to get to uh, to an apartment. And um, Cap says, is this your apartment? Cousins. Normally I knock around uh, the Southwest, but he lets me use it when he's gone. We need his computer. How is math going to help us right now? <laughs> Fine, I'll play along and you're welcome. We Earthlings call this a search engine. I'll pull in every bit of data on the disappearance if I type in Avengers and yesterday's date, like so. 
See, images. All inside your computer? Why are there so many? Because I'm also hacking into all the surveillance cameras on the block. Surveillance? Is that a classified area? It's just a block, dude. But that's the future for you. Safety first, privacy second. What are we looking for? There. Unless that's some sort of modern camera. Nope, good eye. And and there's a there's a figure with a hat and scarf and goggles and a trench coat um, firing this, uh, looks like a some sort of ray gun. Can we put out an APB on that man? I don't know what that is, but we can ask if anyone's seen him. All right. We'll need a negative for that photo and a dark room to make copies for the authorities. Then we'll have to canvas the surrounding streets on foot. Or we could do this. And he clicks the um, keyboard. There. I uploaded the pic to a slew of message boards, plus Iron Man's boss helped me set up a website that gets a jillion hits. If anyone spotted someone that weird looking, we'll get word fast via electronic mail. You ever dream that? That's pretty incredible. Welcome to the cusp of the 21st century, Cap. We could put a library on a metal metal disc. We could put birth control on a pill. Heck, we might even be smart enough to thaw a caveman from an iceberg. You think? Let's check the news while we wait. And then there looks to be, um, who's that on the TV there? I'm, I'm guessing that's Will Smith. Looks like Will Smith. The biggest movie star in the world today. And then Cap starts clicking on the keyboard. What did you call this again? A search engine? Rick, you know what's so cool about this band? Is what? that, you know, they're, they're juxtaposing, you know, modern technology against what cap is used to but that was in 2011 man and how much has technology changed since 2011 right i mean websites and message boards yeah that's pretty crazy stuff now you're you're right left that behind now well that's like uh you know you know what's fun also too about going through some of these comics and i'm talking you know 80s 90s is looking at the ads um what comic were we, we, we did a comic not too long ago. It was, uh, I think early two thousands and it had, uh, an ad for a flip phone, you know, in the comic. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so caps clicking away and he says, Oh my God, the Intel we had was dead on. It says here, the war in Europe was over in early May. That's only days from now. So, um, Rick finds on his phone, bingo, three sightings north of Union Square, which leads us to the desk clerk at the Gramercy Park giving us a solid maybe about a hotel guest. This time of day, we're way better off taking the six train than my motorcycle. And Cap's gone. And he looks like he's up on the rooftop running. And um, we, we cut over to the Daily Bugle. And here's J. Jonah Jameson yelling at Peter Parker. You say he's where? 14th and Broadway, headed east? Send Eric. No, Leeds. Leeds can run. Parker, you too. Don't come back without pictures. And then uh, there's a news reporter where just hours ago, local activists pro- protested, wait, forget me, get him. Get the shot, ladies and gentlemen. You're seeing live footage of the mystery man who just hours ago brought Midtown to a standstill at the superhero human display of acrobatics is he an actor is this a publicity stunt of some kind or is there a new hero on the scene and then you have um you have reed richards 
in his lab looking at a screen of Cap. And then now we're at the White House and we have the president sitting behind the desk of the Oval Office. And someone, and one of his men coming up to him saying, no one authorized this, Mr. President. Whoever he is, he's a wild card, but our best men are already on it. We will get answers. So then we cut to the, uh, the apartment where that figure was that took that with the ray gun and cap busts in through the shield uh, window with his shield. And um, there's a little skirmish going on. Um, he knocks down the, uh, the figure. He says, who are you? Talk. And it turns out it's, it's an alien. And it's saying, um, uh, revert, I, reverse, no hurt, can reverse Ray. And Cap says, huh, you're a man from Mars. Of course you're a man from Mars. And he starts laughing. And Rick Jones bursts, busts in through the door. And he sees the alien on the floor and Cap sitting on the bed laughing. And he says, okay, I missed the party. And the alien says, no hurt, we'll fix Fix Avengers. That's an alien, an alien being on the floor. This seems like an awkward time for me to keep insisting that this isn't a dream. And Cap says, I know. You kind of always knew, didn't you? I really wasn't sure, but I'm still not 100% sure. But I'm as convinced as I'm going to be. What changed your mind? And he um, cuts back to when he was on the computer. And he sees that Franklin Roosevelt passed away April 12, 1945. Cap says, he was our leader. He got us through the war to end all wars. And he didn't live to see it. I could never have dreamt something so cruel. And there's a tear in Cap's eye. Come on, let's go fix your friends. Rick, was it? Rick, I'm sorry if I alarmed you earlier. I'm not a mental patient. I'm just someone who needed something to hang on to for a little while. And at this point, the black and white Bucky version is turning into the color version of Rick. But I told you the truth. I'm an American soldier. I've been asleep since 1945. And now, now what? Now I have to go home. To be continued. Now, Rick, I, uh, I, I went back and I read some reviews for when this series came out in 2011. And, you know, it was sort of a mixed bag. A lot of folks really loved this. They loved the art. But some folks complained that they really didn't like George Molina's uh, uh, pencils here. And, uh, of course, with Kessel's inks and Diamartis' colors because of that sort of transition, the black and the white, the muted backgrounds with cap and color. But, I mean, I think that was just a brilliant uh, sort of visualization for what Cap was going through. And maybe a lot of folks didn't get that. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I think, um, I think Molina uh, does a, a decent job. I mean, uh, he'd probably be the first to tell you. It, this, you know, he's, he's no uh, John Byrne or, you know... Uh, George Perez or, you know, anything like that. But I think he does a decent job here. Yeah. But I mean, just, just the sort of the aesthetic of 
this psychological sort of break that Cap is right on the verge of between, is this real? Is this a nightmare? Is this a dream? And that transition from black and white Bucky to color Rick in that one panel, I think sort of makes that, he snaps back to realizing that this is reality. I think that's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's nice to look at, um, you know, and there were a few changes, you know, between uh, the, the original story. I mean, obviously there's a lot more detail in this one, right. And we're, we're seeing it from a kind of a more mature uh, response, you know, of, of how cap uh, Steve is, is dealing, you know, with this huge transition that he's going through. Um, so it's interesting to see that. Uh, but now, now with the end of issue two, we get the fact that Steve's like, I need to go home. And home is 1945. So uh, let's get to that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So on cover three, uh, we have um, uh, Cap, um, you know, in an action pose. But um, in the background, we have faces of um, all the presidents. So going from uh, Roosevelt to uh, at the present time, this was um, Obama and all the presidents in between. So a nice little uh, looks like history lesson, if you will. Um, the credits for this is the same. The only thing is on the on the um, inking, Carl Kessel is joined by Scott Hanna. Um, and if you are in our Captain America comic book fans Facebook group, you would know Scott Hanna is one uh, a member of that group as well. He's also a Cap fan. And uh, we open up to an, a really cool splash because it's a uh, Iron Man helmet. And it's the old school with the, you know, the, the ones back from, you know, early Avengers. And uh, in reflection of it, you see uh, Steve. And, and it looks like a very sinister looking Iron Man. And it says, you're not going anywhere. I shouldn't have said anything. You asked if we conquered time travel. You caught me by surprise. I should have not have mentioned Dr. Richards. Disregard that. And so Cap is uh, on a table um, in a lab, Iron Man's lab. Um, he says, you act like I'm, I'm out to trick you. Have I not proven myself to you people yet? And then we get back into the, uh, the report uh, that he's given to General Simon. The one I thought was a robot is named Iron Man. Once I, once I rescued him and the others, he insisted I submit to a physical examination. I went along not because he's clearly used to getting his way. I complied because now that I've come to accept that I'm not trapped in a dream, I have questions I need answered. The cur curiously shy, sometimes giant, coordinating the test is a biochemist. And then we see um, giant man, Hank Pym. He speaks and he says, if you mean, do we believe you're the original Captain America? My ver verdict is yes. I don't know who in Army intelligence Tony Stark had to lean on to unearth blood samples from 1942, but you're a match, PFC, Stephen Rogers. Can't quite identify what treatments were added to your system, but what I see here could certainly keep you strong enough to survive an extended period of suspended animation. And after six decades, 
you're still a perfect physical specimen. No worries there. So uh, Steve gets off the table and, and leaps. So I'm plenty healthy enough for the return trip. Iron Man says, that's not the issue. Soldier, listen to me. Dr. Richard's machine has no proven reliability. It's been used, what, twice? There's no record that your friend Bucky survived his death or that you ever reappeared in 1945. The consequences, Cap says, are highly dramatized. This is a new science. There are all sorts of hypothetical casualty issues at stake. You cannot have Richard send you home. History says so. Let's say you're right. Let's say this is a time paradox. But our bodies were never found. That means I save Bucky and we go underground, disguise ourselves, take new identities, live the rest of our natural lives outside the history books. We'll become hobos if we have to. I don't care. Small price. That's not how it... Back me up, Johnny, man. Leave me out of this. I appreciate your concerns and all that the Avengers have done for me these past few days, but I don't take orders from you. Bucky wasn't just my partner. He was my best friend, and I will save him. You can't seriously expect me to, to ignore the, the opportunity. And he uh, groans as he's pulling up his, uh, the shield, and Hank asks him, Arm still stiff? Little. What did you call him? Hulk? That Hulk has an unbelievable grip. Let's see. And he throws the shield and ricochets, and he gets back into his hand. I'm fine. But this isn't my home, and never will be. Bucky needs me. Richard says to meet him tomorrow morning. He'd be ready for me then. If the Avengers want to see me off, I'd like that. Just tell your boss, Stark, I said thanks for putting me up at this mansion. That alone was quite an adventure for a Brooklyn boy like me. He's a good man. Stark Industries is a name I'm going to have to remember. So Iron Man says, you win, but you can thank Stark yourself. He's asked to join him. He's asked you to join him personally for a night on the town. So then we cut to um, uh, a party scene. And there's Steve in, um, in uh, you know, civilian uh, civvies. And there's Tony Stark in a suit and uh, a bunch of uh, ladies looks like um, cocktail waitress garb. And then there's a band playing in the background and they have cocktails. And uh, Tony says, so tell me, so they tell me you're shipping out tomorrow. Pardon? Oh, right. So this is modern music, huh? Cut it, boys. He doesn't like it. On the contrary. <clears throat> On the contrary. It's really interesting. Head radio, you said? Other way around. Never mind. Just trust me, not everyone hosts a show like this. Tom, take five and, and bill me. How'd they get that sound? And he's grabbing an electric guitar. Tony says, oh, good Lord, you've never heard an electric guitar. Sonia, see if Clapton can swing by later. If not, Jimmy. My friend, that is common man technology. What you should be asking is, gee, Mr. Stark, how did they get that sound inside the $2 billion prototype whisper quiet jet Luxie craft of tomorrow? Or as I like to refer to it, the Stark Industries party carrier. Leave your seat backs and tray tables wherever you like. 
I have to be honest. I was afraid you'd be a little too straight-laced to enjoy this. Oh, I'm shocked. I'm probably blushing. But I'm not complaining. Glad to hear it. Sushi? Um, sure. I'll try it. Iron Man says you're in munitions. Tony, uh, what's the state of peace nowadays? Are we still allied with the Soviet Union? Well, largely, since we brought down the Berlin Wall. That's great. What's the Berlin Wall? Oh, my. And he gets out a remote, and he gets out of uh, the projector, and he starts playing some things for, for Steve. Gets him a little history lesson here. And he shows him the Berlin Wall. And he says, short version, there is no more USSR. You're joking. Nope. Russia is a shadow of the superpower you knew today. China, India, play on the big board. And it's all about tech. God, you missed the missed so much. Polio? Gone. G-O-N-E. Cancer? Treatable. Organ transplants, pacemakers for ailing hearts, disease immunization, all things we take for granted. We use ultrasound to take pictures of unborn babies to reduce the risk of miscarriages. Imagine that. You want more? I'll give you more. So next, um, they're off the plane, and uh, they're in the museum. And uh, Cap says, should we be in here? And uh, it's late at night, and Tony flicks on all the lights. I made some calls. Welcome to the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, constructed in 1976. I practically lived here as a boy. I can still do the tour by heart. That, for instance, is the Bell X-1, the first aircraft to exceed the speed of sound. And this, this is the X-15, which took us to the edge of space. You say that like we haven't been any further. That's disappointing. I'd have thought, uh, uh, who's telling the story? We're walking. We're walking. But yeah, you got me. On July 20th, 1969, one small step for man led to a giant leap for mankind. And he takes him to um, um, the uh, the actual uh, lunar craft. And he says, this, this was the day an astronaut, an American astronaut, no less, climbed off this and onto the moon. And Cap's just looking at it, stunned. And he smiles. We did it. I mean, I mean, they. No, no, no. We is fine. Go ahead, strike a pose. I'll make he'll make a hell of a Christmas card. And he takes out his phone and takes a picture of, of Cap by the uh, the shuttle. What came next, Mars? Mm, not yet. Unmanned rovers so far. But give us some time. Let us finish the International Space Station first. Yeah, you heard me. Space Station. Space flights become so common we launch as many as nine orbital shuttles a year. The glamour took some tarnish in 1986 after flight 51L due to some stupid, pointless mechanical error. It exploded 73 seconds after launch, live on TV. And Cap looks at the Challenger crew, and he sees the crew. And Tony says, and now, when we reach for the stars, we do it in honor of the Challenger crew. And in this, um, in this you, you see, you know, mostly men and then uh, one woman and um, you have uh, different nationalities. And Cap says, 
and they're all honored, right? I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm glad to hear that. See, what impresses me isn't the technology, Tony. Not to make light, but I've, I've been to Atlantis. I fought alongside the Human Torch, and he was created, uh, he was a man created in a lab. Your phones and your computers and so forth, they're definitely mad scientist gizmos, but they're not the real achievement. It's society itself, the freedom of the people, all people, regardless of their race or their gender. That's what I can't get enough of. Introduce me to the man who brought that about. And, and Tony puts his arm around Steve and says, glad to. So they go and they sit in a the theater. And uh, I'm not going to try to do uh, MLK's uh, voice any justice here. I'll just read it and says, 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksand of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. Steve says, were, were you there for this moment? No, but a quarter million other Americans were. They filled that mall outside to hear the greatest speech of all time. 17 minutes that changed the world. Wait until you hear about Woodstock. I'm hoping, I hope I'm making my point. I think I know that. Together, we Americans raised one hell of a century from the ashes of World War. Everything you ever wanted for this country, Steve, it's either come true or it's around the corner. I truly believe that. And the one thing we, we have never, ever forgotten, and then they walk into the next room, is that we couldn't have done it without you. And there's an exhibit for Cap. And Cap and, and Bucky are there, and Cap's punching out the red skull. Cap looks up at the statue of Bucky, and he sees the shields. He says, oh, my God, wait, Captain America 2? There were others? And so Tony then explains um, Caps and Bucky's. When you went MIA, the government covered it up. They elected to keep the shield and stripes alive on the home front to bolster the country's post-war morale. In a simpler era, it worked. But over time, there was enough curiosity and why you two weren't aging that Eisenhower, yes, he made president, that Eisenhower retired the suit. During the ever cynical 80s, the truth eventually came out, but it never detracted from what you built. Whether you were there or not, it was still you, all of this, your heart, your spirit. This is a legend you created, the kind that shines maybe once every hundred years. I am both grateful and jealous. Well, let's go with grateful. And Cap, he's looking down, and he says, I should be thanking you. Not at all. I'm just glad you're seeing the world through my eyes. There's so much here for, what are you doing? And Cap's taking his shirt off, and underneath uh, uh, is his Captain America uniform. Do you know who my immediate commanding officer is in this day and age? No, neither do I. I'm not even sure who to ask. But assuming the president is still commander-in-chief of the armed forces, he is, but then the one man I know for a fact can accept my resignation is just up the street. Wait, resig? What? Did did I offend you or something? No, you did me a favor. You showed me that others can carry the shield and do it justice, and that Steve Rogers can go home with a clear conscience. No, that that's not what I. Check the exhibit. 
my tour of duty as Cap is already finished. This just makes it official. Steve, Cap, hang on. Cap goes off. Tony pulls out a phone. Damn it. Okay, meet me afterward. I'll call ahead for you. See that you get the proper reception. So Cap's at the White House. And he's walking into the Oval Office. And there's the president. Now, we can't make him out due to the art. Um, there's uh, the sunlight's coming in through the window behind. So you really only get a silhouette of the man. That way, this is a timeless piece. So nice job by the artist here. And the president says, Good morning, Captain. This is quite the unexpected pleasure to have the opportunity on behalf of the entire nation to express our collective gratitude toward an American icon at ease. And Cap was saluting and he's now at ease. And the president sits down in his chair. Can I get you anything? Coffee, water, medal of honor? I'm fine, sir. Thank you. Good, good. So Tony briefed me on the entire situation, and Captain, I'd like to invite you to reconsider staying in light of all that he's shown you and all that I can show you. I'm aware that this world seems like science fiction to you, but I can offer the full support of the office in making what I'm sure seems like a daunting transition. Certainly, the Avengers would be glad to have you, or you can work directly for me in whatever capacity you desire. Or you can take a well-deserved break and kick your boots off. I'll make sure you can do anything, go anywhere. You've earned it. And so Cap reaches into an envelope and takes out his Avengers card. He's handing it to uh, to the president. He says, I appreciate that, sir. I, I really do. But I don't belong here. And my friend needs me. I get that. If I were in your place, I'd feel the same way. That's what makes this so hard. Captain, I can't have you going back. I'm sorry? It's not your fault. It's not anything you or anyone has done. But think about it. Even before Tony gave you tonight's civics lesson, you'd already seen and heard things that could change history. While you were on your way over, I conferred with Dr. Richards about this. Reluctantly, he had to admit that the way he's proposing to help you is so untried that the hazards outweigh the benefits. A headline, a technology, even a name, anything you might reveal back in 1945, however accidentally, could have unimaginable repercussions on the here and now. It's a matter of national security. Do you understand? You know too much. Sir, please. Listen, the door isn't closed forever. There may be other chances to save Bucky. As Richards reminded me, we're dealing with time itself. The past will always exist. But right now, this science is still in its infancy. I promise you that the day I'm confident it can safely do what you're asking of it, we will send you home. But until then, I need you here, soldier. That's an order. Cap has his eyes closed, looking down. And then his eyes open. And he salutes. And he walks out the office, uh, Oval Office. And Tony's on the phone. He says, how'd he take it? The president says, how would you? He's been under discreet observation since he walked out. I've ordered my men to back off, give him his peace. But if his mood should turn, Tony says, don't worry about that, sir. 
Iron Man will keep a close eye on him. That I guarantee. As for what happens next, I'm afraid I'm at a loss. And then Steve is over at the Lincoln Memorial, sitting there with his head in his hands, looking very depressed. To be continued. Bob, was that a good salute? That was uh, that was a perfect salute, Rick. I, uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to be posting that later as a instructional message for, uh, for all the Cap fans. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, Rick, that that last page, man, on that issue, man, that is powerful. Cap with his head in his hands at the foot, at the feet of uh, of the Lincoln uh, the Lincoln statue and the Lincoln Memorial. Man, that is something. Yep. All right. You know, we're about to get a lot more interesting here. So we've got two more issues to go. We're, we're, we're racking through these pretty quick, um, and it's about to get pretty interesting. All right, so issue four, uh, again, Cap uh, in the forefront. In the background, uh, we have all kinds of um, uh, versions of what's been going on with uh, air, uh, you know, space, you know, with different rockets and the shuttles and space station. So again, taking us through a little history lesson of what's been going on there. All right. Now we're at the uh, we're opening scene, and um, it's a dark, stormy night, and we're at the Arlington National Cemetery. And Cap's walking uh, along the row of all the headstones, and he's got his head down, and right above him is Thor. And he says, Captain. Locating thee these last few days has been a matter of no small difficulty. What brings thee to this mournful place on such a dour eve? And the lightning cracks behind him as he's in the sky. And Cap says, Immersion, I suppose. An opportunity to reflect on wars I've never even heard of, if that makes any sense. Hundreds of thousands of Americans fighting men buried here. Thor, markers as far as the eye can see but not a one for James Buchanan Barnes. He was the most courageous soldier I ever knew. Without hesitation, he put his life on the line for this country more than anyone ever has. With his dying breath, he saved the entire nation. He shouldn't be forgotten. He should never have been cheated out of the glory he so rightfully earned. I have to find some way to save him, Thor. I have to. He deserves that. You, of all people, alive for what, centuries? With more battles under your belt than any man I now know, you should understand the tragedy of all this. Thor? And Thor looks kind of ticked here. I comprehend fully what thou hast to say, and that is why I am so bitterly disappointed in thee. Pardon me? And he takes his hammer and points it at him. Tis true, Captain. To mine eyes, the lives of Midgardians burn like fireflies, short and bright and beautiful. And often it taxes me to mind that what seems like an afternoon to one such as myself could be years, even decades, to a mortal man. But I am not the only one capable of losing perspective. From all that have said in this lad, Bucky, he died the most exalted of deaths, a hero's in combat most noble the dream of all true warriors of any realm, for the reward it brings. 
Now, because of his selfless valor, James Barnes strides the internal halls of Great Valhalla, where the brave live forever in reverling celebration. Thou wouldst be grudged out of brother-in-arms? Thou wouldst deny him the greatest heaven imaginable in exchange for a few fleeting years of mortality? I do sympathize over thy loss, Captain, but have care not to wallow midst self-pity. Tis no way to honor thy friend. And he takes his hammer and flies off into the, the night sky with the lightning. Wow. Thor just told Cap to, to get off his pity train. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, you know, what's interesting, though, is, um, you know, in that image of, uh, of Valhalla, we don't actually see Bucky Barnes. It's true. Yeah. And there's a good reason for that, right? Oh, it could be that Mr. Ed Brubaker uh, decided to make sure that he was never dead. That's exactly it. And I think, you know, that's that, that's that little detail, I think, that uh, really makes this such a riveting speech. You know, it's an important speech that Thor has given to, uh, to, to Cap. But that detail is not lacking in the in the artistry of, uh, of this issue is either. So, Yep. So, well, Cap continues uh, down two paths here. He's uh, he's going to as Cap uh, fight alongside the Avengers. And then as Steve, he's he's doing his detective work, trying to come up with some way to to um, honor uh Bucky Barnes and uh, and to see what what's going on. So we have a kind of different panels here. So he he keeps going down and trying to find records, and he keeps getting no. Uh, and then we see uh, Cap with the Avengers fighting the Lava Men, which was from uh, Avengers number five, which was the very next issue. So that kind of gives you a time stamp of where we are in this. From the Freedom of Information Act, it says uh, in compliance with your request for data on James. B. Barnes, we regret to inform you that no record exists. So he's drawing uh, uh, Peggy Carter uh, in his time off. Then the next one, uh, he's fighting the uh, the Masters of Evil, which is from Avengers number six. Um, then we've got um, uh, Tony uh, is helping out Steve uh, with his trying to find, locate Peggy. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this, um, he says, three weeks, another dead end, Steve. I even ran an auto-age program of your gal for my investigators, but it was no help. This picky Carter of yours is off the radar. You just don't have enough to go on. Same with uh, all the other names you gave me. Nick Fury is incommunicado. Namor is his own problem. Friends, soldiers, extended family, all gone. Um, except for one. So Steve shows up at, um, at this home. Hi, my name is Steve Rogers. I called about General Jacob Simon and the woman behind the counter. The sweetest man. Let me see if he's awake, okay? And by the way, is this a little nod to um, Joe Simon? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the physical appearance, right, is um, uncanny. Yep. So we've got a, an elderly man in a hospital bed with the oxygen tank. Um, and he's sitting there reading a book, and the nurse says, uh, knock, knock, General. There's a young man here to see you. He says he's an old friend. Hmm? Nurse, you're, and, he, and he's coughing. You're the only person I know who's still alive. I think you're mistaken. And he sees Steve, and he lights up. He says, oh, my God. And then we get back to the report. 
And it says uh, to, uh, and it says uh, the activity port. I was able to locate the man who was my commanding officer during the war. After weeks alone in this era, I was hungry to catch up with someone familiar. So a little timestamp there. We know he's been here for weeks. And he says, someone my own age. I know what you must be thinking, sir, but it's really me. Just call me Rip Van Rogers, I guess. I've been through a strange trip, sir. Stranger than that visit to the Golden Adam. And he says, no one knew about that but the captain and I, young man. Exactly. Well, then, I'll be damned. I told him about the suspended animation. He had an open mind. He knew how bizarre some of my adventures had been back in the day. And we started talking about all I'd missed. So they're watching uh, a baseball game. He says, uh, this one's a designated hitter. All the pitchers have him. Since when? Since the game went all to hell? Watch this punk. He's not even running the bases. He homers. Then he just stands there and admires himself. All of them act that way nowadays. They're all multi-millionaires. And stats mean nothing because they're all juiced. Juiced? They're all on drugs these days. That garbage is everywhere now. It's in the schools. It's in the streets. Can you believe that? So then uh, we cut to Cap uh, is now in uniform, busting in on uh, looks like a, a drug laboratory. And again, he has a report. Time had been fairly kind. Time had been fairly kind to the general, but he's had good days and bad. He was at his sharpest when he was angry. He was angry a lot. We be, we began having that in common. So he's back there uh, the next day. You mean to tell me? Oklahoma City, 168 lives lost to a terrorist attack on American soil. This country's lousy with militias and hate groups. It's disgusting. Steve, they've invented crimes you've never even heard of. Carjacking. Identity theft. Human trafficking. And we cut to the next scene where, so we're basically going back and forth. Cap's doing Cap stuff. Uh, and then in his off time, he's visiting the general. Um, and he comes across a, uh, uh, right across the border, a, um, uh, a, a truck full of immigrants. The report says, the general took me through the history Tony Stark had glossed over. Watergate. The Pentagon Papers. The press was free to the point of irresponsibility. But the scandals that brought to light were far worse. Colonels had been caught funding rebel armies. A president had resigned to avoid criminal prosecution. We lost a war in Vietnam. How in God's name did we lose a war? Used to, used to make things in this country. You'd leave the service, get an education with the GI Bill, then settle down into a good union job. No more steelwork. Pittsburgh's collapsed, and D Detroit will be a ghost town soon enough. Everything's computers. So then we cut to um, the Avengers Mansion, and Steve's handing out, I mean, uh, Tony's handing out uh, identity cards. Um, so on that, and he says, it's a, it's a headquarters key, a comm link with a red alert alarm. Fully programmable in every respect. Water-thin slide keyboard. Permanent battery. Shall I go on? Rick Jones says, can I stop you? So we cut back and uh, Steve and the general are playing chess. You say Stark showed you 
the I have a dream speech. It was incredible. It truly was. It moved a nation. Did he tell you what happened to the man who gave it? No. And then we cut to um, Steve saying, Bucky, Bunky once asked me to what I want to do after the war. I didn't have an answer for him. 60 years later, I still don't. And then you see um, Iron Man talking to the Avengers. Um, he says, and the Pentagon is alerted to some possible UFO sightings. Nothing verified, but if they're legit, they would map to some explained radiation blips over some key city. So Cap, hey Cap, do you, do you mind listening to me when I talk to you? And then um, we cut back to Cap visiting uh, the general and they're watching TV and, and there's a there's a uh, hotline, uh, one of those one nine hundred number TV commercials. And Steve says, "All I know is that this isn't what I thought we were building. This is what Captain America stands for now: phone sex and an eighteenth place education system. It seems so worth fighting for. It's easy to fight when you're winning." And um, some, who knows what time had passed, maybe a day or two, a uh, week, but um, the general passes. And in the background this whole time was a framed picture of Captain America saluting with a flag behind it. And it was signed by Captain America. And it was something, I guess, uh, the general had kept all these years. Um, and so the nurse says, he wanted you to have this. And she hands the framed photo to him. She says, thank you for visiting him so often. Thank you, Carol. You were a great comfort to Jacob. This facility is lucky to have you. Oh, no, I'm a private nurse. I was hired by the general. They were fully staffed up here. Well, I'm, I'm sure you could find other work. Soon. Otherwise, I'll have to go back home. If it's a financial matter, I can give you... It's immigration law. I do some cleaning work, but that's unofficial. Is it really so bad where you're from? There's family. We hadn't much money, but the countryside is beautiful. I am loved there. I do miss it. So Steve says, and yet you're willing to scrub toilets to stay here? And she turns and smiles and says, it is America. And she she leaves. That's I think that's poignant. Yeah, that's poignant. Jiminy Cricket, Rick. This is just like, like you know. There's how there's good and bad, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Tony being the one who, you know, he says, "I, I wanted you to see this through my eyes, Steve." And you know, Tony's a futurist, right? He sees what what everything can become, and he sees the good. Um. Now, chances are maybe he glossed off a few over a few things purposely, but, you know, he was talking about all the great things about our country and all the things that have happened since 1945. And then the general who who lived since that time period, he brought up all the things that weren't so good. And he had a lot of anger. Um, so and both sides are right. You know, both sides uh, certainly, you know, have a. a Every right to their point of view, because both sides are true. 
Um, but, you know, it takes this nurse who cared for this man so personally, um, who's now out of a job and she may have to leave the country because she doesn't have work. At least, I mean, you know, she, she is, she's a house cleaner, you know, on the side, but, but, um, you know, the immigration law being what it is. And, um, you know, I think what she says there, you know, it's America. It's, it's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I think, I don't know. I think that's uh, it's a nice part of the story. Yeah. And I mean, it reminds cap that, um, yeah, it's not, America is not what he thought it would be some 50 years hence, but the dream is still there. The dream is alive and it's still worth fighting for. And at this point in his career, after his being brought back, um, he doesn't realize that yet. You know, he stands for the American dream. And I, and, and I think it's, it's not for, for a few years later, really, that that really is hit home. Um, you know, he, he still, you know, feels like he's a, you know, a soldier if in many ways. Um, so then, uh, you know, the, there's a, there's a crisis going on. Remember those UFOs we talked about? Uh, well, it turns out it was Kang. So now we're at, uh, I want to say Avengers number eight is when Kang shows up, right? Yeah, that's um, right. so it landed outside Washington. Um, the military's powerless, nothing can touch it. And, um, and there's Kang and there's, there's an image of him walking and Tony says, yeah, calls himself Kang talks about us like we're insects. No offense, wasp. Any, anyone recognize him? Thor, giant man? No. And then Steve says, well, and he starts to talk and Tony says, you got something? No, I was just going to mention his bearing. The way he carries himself, not like a warrior, like a commander. Whoever he is, he's not accustomed to being challenged. Yeah, too bad. And then there's a little montage of, of the battle that uh, we see from Avengers 8. And Kang says, pathetic. I come all this way to battle with you five. Does it please you to learn how vastly history has overrated you? And then we get back to the report from Captain America. The tyrant and the pantaloons took advantage of our overconfidence and laid us out like ten pins. Even Thor can be injured by his own hammer when it's hurled hard enough to split the moon. Pretending not to be unnerved, Iron Man demanded to know where this being had come from. No one was prepared for the answer. I come from 2,000 years in your future. I'm a time traveler. He was far more than that. Compared to the other adversaries I faced here, Kang was a god. Anyone who could knock Thor off his feet. I've been marching back through the centuries, taking what pleases me and erasing what, what doesn't. And I can't decide which applies to you. But my guess is that you'll make very valuable slaves now that I declare myself the sovereign king of this era. To yourselves. And he zaps all of the Avengers off to the cells. But Cap stops. He uses his shield to stop himself from going into the cell. I'm no one's slave. And he comes and he hits him. There's something about you, Flagman. And he sniffs him. Oh, that's it. You're not from here either. I place you about, what, 
mid-century, 1940s perhaps. And Cap hits him really hard. And then there's a little blood. My, they had spirit back then, didn't they? And Cap nails him again with the shield over his head. And this time, that ticks Kang off. You insufferable little gnat. Be gone. And there's this white light that flashes. And the last panel here is Cap. He's back in New York. And it's victory. It's V-Day. And everybody's celebrating. The war's over. To be concluded. She's just getting better and better, Rick. I don't remember this part in the early Avengers. No, you don't. This is, you know, one of those, if you remember Sentinels of Liberty, uh, and it's one of my favorite series, right? But when, when Mark Wade started writing the Sentinel of Liberty uh, uh, series, he said that it was going to be stories between the stories, right? And so many of the stories in that series are actually sandwiched. They take place sandwiched between the main stories, the main story arcs of, of the original runs, volume one of Captain America. And so uh, they aren't in a different you know, dimension or a different earth. They're stories that we didn't hear, but they took place at the same time in parallel with what was going on. And so he's taken the same sort of tack here, right? He's gone from Avengers 4 to Avengers 8, and he's just he's telling us what was going on while those stories were going on, but just in a lot more detail. I, I, I think that's brilliant. He is a brilliant writer. I agree 100%. And the stories between the stories has always been fun, and he's been excellent at it. All right, last issue. Let's get this going. Uh, number five, and uh, in the background um, is the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Bucky, Spider-Man, Wolverine. So it's uh, Cap in um, modern era. All right. Uh, the uh, credits are the same. So now we start this time, like we, where we ended the last issue in 1945. And it is shortly after we won the war. And Cap goes up to a ballpark to get a hot dog. And the vendor, he's all smiles. Five cents. Man, I've missed this. GI, huh? How's it feel to be back home? Pretty terrific, I bet. It's good. And, and basically, it's Cap in a nice suit, right? With his hat. Well, at least you got, at least you're out of them combat boots, right? And um, he goes, uh, I guess this is how he got the suit. Um, he goes to the tailor and the tailor says, here, today, anything you want in the store, my boy, it's on the house. At least I can do. Um, so then Steve goes to the bank and uh, the teller says, all of it, Mr. Rogers, the whole account. Well, there must be a hundred dollars here. That's an awful lot of walking around money. Are you sure? So he calls. He says, yes, operator. I'd like to place a person-to-person call to General Jacob Simon. Yes, hello. Is the general? He's not. Do you know when? No, no message. So then he goes uh, to the ballpark, and um, he goes over to a, se- a section um, where there's not a lot of people. And there is a, a father and his son watching the game. 
and and uh, they're black. And I point that out because it's an important part of the story because they're basically in uh, the black section. And uh, just the two of them there, you know, it's cause segregated. The white people sit over in the, these other seats. So Cap comes, uh, Steve, I should say, comes and sits next to him. Says, mind if I sit here? And the, the father says, well, we can get up if you'd like. Don't be ridiculous. You've got the perfect view. How do you think we'll do today, kid? And the, and the, the little boy says, we got to win this one. Even Stakey's hitting. Pa-pow. You play? All the time. You want to grow up to be a Dodger? And uh, the dad grabs the kid, and he, and he looks, you know, a little upset. He says, Mr., don't fill his head with nonsense like that. We both know that there's a white man's club. Come along, Jeff. Let's find some place to sit where no one's going to tease you. I, I wasn't, you, you don't understand. There'll come a time, he likes Los Angeles, that is. So then he's back on the phone. General Simon? Oh, he's not? Well, would you tell him? Never mind. Thanks. So he keeps trying to get through to the general. He's not having any luck. Um, he's also trying to send out a, uh, a telegram, uh, trying to track down Peggy Carter, um, not having any luck there as well. You know, I want to go back to that scene uh, with the, the father and the son. All right? Um, you know, that is... That's something else. Uh, technological advances are great, but you know what? What I want to see is, you know, um, what I want to talk about is, you know, how how things got better, you know, for people, um, and and so, so now he's back in this time, and, and and right now he's, it's coming to light, right? And he's starting to see things. So he uh, he goes to a circus. He sees some images that remind him of the Avengers. Um, and so he's he's calling General Simon. He finally gets through. He gets through to General Simon, but he doesn't say anything to him. And at this point, it's almost like he's he understands what he has to do. Um, you know, he he was in the future, kept saying, "I got to help my friend. I got to help my friend. I got to go back and help Bucky." But now he's in in the past, and he realizes he's got to help his friends, the Avengers. Um, so we get to, uh, current time, 21st century and Kang is, uh, is there and, um, he's taking over the world. Um, and you have Rick Jones and, and the Wasp, uh, and they're, they're, um, they're basically, you know, they've, they're on their own, you know, uh, where I think Iron Man and Thor and Giant Man are all, um, uh, still trapped. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden Rick gets, uh, in his pocket, um, his uh, Avengers uh, card is going off and he's, he's getting the alarm. He says, my, my identity card, it's getting a distress signal from the Avengers mansion. But if the whole team is inside Kang's ship, who sent in an a one priority alert. And um, so we have uh, cut back to the 1945 and we have Steve sitting in a diner and, and he's reading the newspaper, having uh a meal and uh, all of a sudden the, the guy from the first issue um, who was going to pound Steve because he wasn't a big fan of cap. Uh, he's like Rembrandt. Holy Toledo. Is that you Rembrandt Rogers? It's me Noonan. Oh, uh, of course we were stationed together and where uh, Lipsig. 
Right, right. Hey, how's that little guy you used to buddy up with? What, what was his name? Barnes? He, he didn't make it. Oh, geez, no, I'm, I'm sorry to hear. Cigarette? No, thanks. So how's stateside treating you? Are you still serving? To be honest, I'm not sure. What does that mean? Forget it. It's, what about you? You, you must be glad to be back. You know it. Big, thick steaks every night. Plenty of five-cent cigars. A brand-new Roadmaster on order, even if gasoline's up to 18 cents a gallon. That's the life. Boy, I tell you, people don't realize how good they got it nowadays. And uh, at the time, Steve says, "Mm mm-hmm. And he's watching a, a man slap the waitress on the butt. You don't seem convinced. It's odd. All I wanted was to be back home, Noonan. And now that I am, I don't feel ready to put down roots. Why is that? Eh, we all got to get readjusted, am I right? Don't be sad. Be proud. We fought the good fight and the job is done. It's not that simple for me. I have, I had these friends. And the last time I was with them, they were in trouble. Were they anything like Barnes kid? He was pretty scrappy. Funny. I was about to say not at all, but... Yeah, yeah, you, you'd be surprised. Maybe that's why I can't let go. I couldn't help Bucky, and now I failed them too. Oh, heck, I'm late meeting my girl. I wish I knew what to say, Rembrandt, except good luck. I, I don't know what you mean by failed them, but if it's that important, there's nothing you can do? They're too far from here. There's no way on earth to get to them. Well, you know what Captain America says, Rogers? There's always a way. Ouch. So then we cut back to uh, Steve in his room, and he's he's looking down. Not always Noonan. And I'll tell you why. You know, I, I sometimes in the Captain America group, um, you know, we have the best members. Great guys. Great gals. We have, you know, um, they're all true blue Captain America fans. Um. But I remember one time uh, they, they had some World War II uh, Golden Age caps up. And and, uh, and it was, you know, like during that, those covers, you know, they, they we've talked about this, right? They, um, they dehumanize uh, the, uh, the Germans and the Japanese on there uh, because we were at war, right? That's what we did. You know, and, 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 you know, one of the things that you do in war with propaganda is you try to dehumanize the enemy. So it was very, you know, um, ugly in a way. Uh, and I, I remember one of the, the members of the group said, ah, the good old days. You know, you know, I miss, I miss the good old days. And the only, the only thing I could think was, yeah, I guess it was the good old days as long as you were white straight male you know i mean and that's what this story is about right is about the progress that we've made you know and um yeah we can look back on you know days of our youth or or days of our fathers or parents youth or grandparents youth and and refer to them as the good old days but it depends on who you were and where you were in that situation um you know, we've made a lot of progress in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think this story kind of brings that to light. Yeah. 
Well, you know, Rick, there's, um, you know, there, we, we, this, this term gets, gets made fun of a lot these days. In fact, um, there was an article just uh, was published, you know, I don't know, yesterday, today, and, uh, and one of the, the great colorists of, uh, of Captain America, guy worked on multiple issues, posted this article, and I read it recently, and it talked about this, this idea of wokeness, right? Like it's a bad thing. Uh, now, our, 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 your friend of mine posted this article because he was, uh, not that he, he, he agreed with that, but he, just an interesting article. But, but that word gets used a lot, and it has a very negative connotation. But what we're seeing here is, is Steve Rogers has gone to the future, and he's seen a different future. And he's gone back now, and he's seeing things that he never saw before, right? Things mm -hmm. that maybe, right. you, you know, he, he wasn't sensitized to because they were sort, sort of seen as natural and normal and necessary. And, but now that he's seen a better way, a different way in the future— now he's he's sort of awoken to what's going on around him. And yeah, I mean, we've looked at like a lot of these golden age comics, right? And and it wasn't just the Germans and, and the Japanese that were dehumanized. I mean, these weren't really progressive opinions about women or minorities either. I mean, remember the young allies with uh, with Washington, right? Uh, Bucky's young uh, black friend. That was that character was not uh, that, that character was not treated well in in the golden age, and of right. course Marvel tried to to retcon that and uh, and make make that good, and they did a great job of that in the 70th uh, anniversary Young Allies one shot. But yeah, I think that's that's an important lesson to draw from from this particular miniseries of how see, Steve sees the past differently. And we see that in, in, again, the coloring, right? Because now we're starting to see, once again, that sort of muted black and white background with, with Stephen Color, because he's, he's no longer in the right place for him anymore. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great point. He, uh, you know, now that he's been in the future and he's seen how things were, um, and again, like you said to Tony, you know, you know these, these, not this time. And he looks at his card, his Avengers card, and he looks like he gets an idea. And so um, we cut back to the current time, and there's Jarvis telling uh, Master Rick, these are Mr. Rogers' quarters. There's something in here that's sending up the mother of all emergency signals, Jarvis. And so we cut back to 1945, and there's Steve writing a note. Rick, if you're reading this letter, there's still a chance. And then we cut back to the room. Where was it coming from? You tell me. Keep looking. And they're going through Steve's room trying to find the noise. Stark said the identicards are fully programmable with a lifelong battery. So I'm putting that to the test. I set mine to alert you on the day Kang arrives. I need you to find this letter. And then Steve, um, Rick's going through and he's, the closet. The sound's coming from the closet. So I'm hiding it inside the one thing I know for a fact will still be there in your time. And he, and what he see is he, you see him breaking into uh, General Simon's headquarters, going to the Captain America photo that he has framed and hiding the card in the frame. And then we cut from 1945 to present time and there's Rick holding the frame, and sure enough, the noise is coming from there. 
And the instructions say, I'm outside, I'm outside Camp Lehigh, August 22nd, 1945, 2300 hours exactly. And if we have one prayer of saving the Avengers, Rick, you have to take this letter immediately to Dr. Reed Richards. And sure enough, Reed Richards comes through with the time machine and he comes to right exactly where Cap said he'd be. Hey, soldier, heard you need a lift. Hop aboard. So this is the infamous time machine, did Rick? Got word to me in New York. The rest of Fantastic Four are busy keeping Kang's soldiers away from the UN building. But when he showed me your letter, I know you might just be the X factor we need to turn the tide against that monster. I have to get back to my team. You take the Fantastic Car, it's yours, and fast, because the last time I saw Rick, that fool kid was threatening to sneak aboard Kang's ship himself. Well, this was a bright. What did I think? That there'd be some somewhere saying cell block six? Something's humming behind this panel. But which button? Allow me. And next thing you know, the Captain America shield hits the uh, hits the control panel where Rich was Rick was trying to, to get it through. Dude, you gotta teach me how to throw that frisbee sometime. You already had a pretty big day now. Stand back. Because we have a war to win. And the only way we're going to do that is by fighting like soldiers. And he breaks free Iron Man and Giant Man and Thor. Any objections? No? Good. And then they all take on Kang. So we get back to his field report. The second time around, Kang never knew what hit him. Regrouped and no longer weakened by overconfidence, we came at him not as individuals, but for the first time in combat as a tight-knit unit. After sustaining extensive damage, Kang retreated, withdrawing all his ships and troops back into the time stream. Mission accomplished. And you see Giant Man saying, Ladies and gentlemen, why have we not already appointed this man our field commander? Thor says, an excellent suggestion, giant man. We have taken thy skills and experience too much for granted, Captain. Please accept our apologies on one condition. Don't order me to move my star-spangled self ever again. And Iron Man salutes him. Sir, yes, sir. That won't last. Enjoy the moment. So here we are. Present day, Grand Canyon, Arizona. And... Captain America was doing another report, but rather than to his commanding officer, he crosses that out, now changes it to a personal journal. And he's standing there in his civvies overlooking the Grand Canyon. Personal journal. Maybe they're just trying to be kind, or they were caught up in the thrill of victory. As the subsequent weeks have proved, it doesn't matter. Once I started acting like a captain... I finally became part of the team. Sometimes all you can do is step into a role and be patient while it molds itself around you. Adapting to circumstance as its own skill. As General Patton once told me, to a good soldier, there is no such thing as unfamiliar territory. You either plan where you're going or you make the terrain your own the second your boots touch the ground. And during all this, he's, uh, he's pitching a, a tent and a campfire in the, uh, the Grand Canyon. Patton, of course, had the luxury of marching into the future one day at a time. But he wasn't wrong. It's tempting to want to live in the past. It's familiar. 
gets comfortable as he's doing a sketch of Bucky. And then he takes the sketch and he shows it to this night sky. But it's where fossils come from. My job is to make tomorrow world better. Always has been. Once long ago, I asked Bucky what purpose Captain America served outside of combat. I was, it was a foolish question. There'll always be something to fight for. And I'll always be a soldier. The end. Hot diggity dog, Rick. I love that series, man. I just love it. Hot diggity dog. You know, I know a lot of, look, I know a lot of, you know, there's some, I'm not going to say a lot, but I know some folks, they don't appreciate this series because it does take some liberties with, uh, with Avengers 4, right? I mean, it, it, it updates it, right? I mean, we, Avengers 4 took place in 1963. It was, it came out in 1963 and this takes place 50 years after Cap is in the ice. And so it updates it for a more modern audience, but it also delves a lot deeper. And I, I mean, this is just such a quality series. Really is. It was good. It was a good story uh, within the, between the stories, as as you you reminded us. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, my voice is now gone <laughs> <laughs> after a after a long day of work, uh, and then uh, doing this, uh, I think my voice is shot. <clears throat> Kane, Kane did it to you. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that that was a great story. I, I certainly hope everybody enjoyed listening to it. Uh, and uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, check it out. Um, you can uh, that way you'll be able to enjoy the visuals as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I hope someday we get a chance to talk to Mark Wade about this. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. All right. Uh, next episode, uh, we are going to go uh, for number episode thirty-two, which will be out next week. Um, we're going to go back to my sweet spot. We're going to go back to the early 80s. And we're going to talk about a story that J.M. DeMatteis, Mike Zeck, John Beatty, Bob Sharon, the whole crew, the dream team for me. Uh, and this is a story. We're going to do Captain America 275 through 278. And if you don't remember what that is, that was the return of Baron Zemo. And we just finished doing uh, Captain America 168, which was the introduction of Baron Zemo, Helmet Zemo, uh, as the Phoenix. But J.M. DeMatteis decided 10 years later to bring him back. And if you're curious of what happened to uh, Zemo after he fell into that vat, um, we're going to see his story of revenge against Captain America. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's a great that's a great arc. I mean, there's so much going on in that arc. Um, besides just the just the Baron Zemo bit, so it's it's a really great story. Absolutely. Well, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna say it again. Hot diggity dog, Rick. This was a great <laughs> uh, great choice. All right, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanis, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.